Wonderful. Take your Bible, turn to Matthew 23, would you? Matthew 23 in the Word of God. And I want to say how thankful I am to be back at Canaan Baptist. I'm so thankful that you're here this morning honoring the Lord Jesus on His day. And uh, you know, we're celebrating every Sunday the resurrection. You know, sometimes people think we only celebrate that once a year, but no. Every Sunday, the world over, God's people gather to meet and celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I thank God that He came. I thank God that He lived a spotless, sinless life. I thank the Lord Jesus Christ for dying on the cross and rising again. And I thank Him for being my Savior. And if He's not your Savior this morning, I hope you'll come to trust Him as your Savior. I'm thankful to the Lord for His goodness. We just had uh, finished a a meeting in Virginia, and uh, we were there this last Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we preceded that with a two and a half week trip preaching in Italy. And my, what a great need there is in Italy. We've been now six times, five to this area, and uh, we're in Chiesa Biblica Bautista in Grosseto, And uh, God has established his church and doing a great work there with uh, missionaries, uh, Paul Childers and Frank Maeda, who is the pastor. And I'm just so thankful for uh, what God is doing there. This is, as far as I know, the first Bible preaching Baptist church in Grosseto in about 500 years. And uh, then we went up and preached in the Chiesa Biblica Bautista in Pisa. And there, a missionary by the name of Joey Tacon is there. God's uh, just taken him out of sin and a life of, uh, of emptiness and saved him and put him on as a trophy of grace. He and his wife, Jenny, are there working. And that is, as far as we can tell, the first biblical Baptist church, Bible-preaching Baptist church in a thousand years in Pisa. And I could take you to one town after another, after another, after another, where that's the case. Now, you add up a thousand years and figure out how many generations that is. And I have to ask the question, how many more generations needs to die and perish and go to hell before someone makes an attempt to reach them? All throughout Italy, there's all kinds of opportunity and a great need for someone to go. And when you go to the people of Italy, uh, some people say, well, they're very deep entrenched into the Catholic religion. Well, there certainly is that. But the scandals that we've seen in the Catholic Church here, they've seen for they've seen for well over a thousand years. And so there are many people that we've met that have defected from the Catholic Church and are seeking other religions. And so there's a great and open door and opportunity in Italy. And I hope and pray that God will lay it on the heart of someone to go. There are 60 million people in Italy. And there are as far as we know about 12 to 14 churches. Now, when we started going there on a regular basis back in 2010, there were about I would say maybe four to five uh, with veteran missionaries and new missionaries. And uh, I'm talking about reaching the Italian people. There are some others that are reaching into the American military works. But uh, what a great need. That would be like going from Maine all the way down here to Georgia and putting 12 churches, 12 to 14 churches. Would that be enough? I, I would say not. Would that be enough to reach the Eastern Shore Board? I would say not. And so there's a great Great and open door, great opportunity in Italy. And I hope and pray that God will lay it on the heart of someone to go to Italy. And I hope and pray that God will lay it on the heart of someone 
to not only go to Italy, but pray that God will send laborers. The missionary there, uh, Frank Maeda and Paul Childers said, we've been praying that God would send laborers. And God has. The numbers of missionaries there has increased. There's another missionary that I know of that's going. So I hope and pray that God will burden your heart to pray for Italy. Uh, you can go and see many, many historic things in Italy. We saw the Colosseum that was built in 80 AD. So just 40 years or 50 years after Christ. And what a what an amazing thing that was to see the Colosseum and know that some Christians that went in there never ever came out again. And to think of the great sacrifice of those that have gone before us. But there's a great, great open door all over Italy to preach the gospel. And I pray that you will make it a matter of concerted prayer. We're here today and looking in Matthew chapter 23. This would be a little bit of a strange passage to preach during the Christmas season, but I, I sense strongly the Lord's leading in this and just the previous couple of hours. And so I want us to look at Matthew chapter 23, and I, I want to preach to you uh, on Matthew 23. We'll look in the Bible in just a moment. Father, speak to our hearts. I pray that you would open up our hearts to the Word of God and open up our hearts to hear the Scripture. Change us, I pray. Challenge us. Lord, bind Satan far from this place. May he have no influence in our hearts, in our thinking, in our perspective, in our mindset. And Lord, I pray that the confusing and wrong and deceitful thoughts that he has sown, I pray that those would be completely shown for what they are. And Lord, that you'd set the captive free. And Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that's not saved, that you'd save them. Encourage the hearts of your people, I pray, in a mighty way, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. <clears throat> Several years ago when I was in college, I didn't have but two nickels to rub together and sometimes not even that. And uh, I came into some money. Now, how I came into it, I don't remember, but it was real value. And it happened to be in the form of a gold watch. And it wasn't just any gold watch. I mean, it was bling, bling. And I looked at this watch and how, again, I don't remember if someone gave it to me, it's likely, or if I got a good deal on it at Goodwill, but boy, it was valuable. And I got this watch and I put it on. I was so proud of this watch. Now, I'll tell you how I know it was very valuable. First of all, it was gold. The band was gold and it was like a gold nugget kind of a look. I mean, beautiful, just beautiful. And then I'll tell you else how else I knew that it was a valuable watch because it had a, a black face to it and all valuable watches have a black face to it. And then I'll tell you how I even knew more that it was valuable and that is because it didn't have numbers. All watches with great value don't have numbers. They just have lines there. And I looked at this watch and I said, this is some kind of value and I need to snatch this up while I can. I especially wanted to wear it because I was a poor college student. I just wanted to show off that I could, I could get into money if I needed to and, and I, I could find value and I was a connoisseur of fine watches. So I put this on and I'd wear it and I'd make sure that that my sleeve was pulled down so that everybody could see it. And every once in a while, I'd take it out just to check the time. And boy, I wanted everybody to know that I had come into money and that I am a connoisseur of great value. But a few days, maybe, maybe weeks, I'll say weeks, a few weeks after I had been wearing it, I noticed something on my wrist underneath where I was wearing it. And it was a green mark. And I came to realize that I had been had. 
Everything that marked this watch as valuable, no, no numbers, just lines, a black face, gold bling to beat the band, it was all a fake. Now, it told time, which I guess that's what you want in a watch, but, uh, but it was leaving a green mark on my hands, which showed me, and on my wrist, which showed me it wasn't as valuable as I thought. In other words, it was a phony. Now, I want to preach an unusual message for this Christmas season on the subject, phony baloney Christians. And I want to preach to you from the text of Matthew 23. Now, Jesus in Matthew 23 has had it up to here with the Pharisees. He's tired of their rhetoric. He's tired of their opposition. He's tired of their arguments. He's tired of their, their resistance and their unbelief. And the Lord Jesus is about to unleash a cannon volley against the Pharisees, the likes of which have been unprecedented up to this point. Every once in a while, a flare-up between Jesus and the Pharisees would happen. Every once in a while, they'd fuss at him because he was doing something on the Sabbath, like actually his disciples were eating on the Sabbath or gathering corn in handfuls from a nearby harvest field. Uh, they would get upset at him for, uh, for healing someone on the Sabbath and making someone to walk on the Sabbath. They would get upset with him for something that he said and something that he had done. And in John chapter 8, he heals a blind man. And boy, that just tipped them over the edge. They didn't like the fact that he healed the blind man. They didn't like a lot of things about it. And they questioned the blind man's parents to see if he was really blind from his birth. And they questioned the blind man. And, and the blind man said, well, I, I, I think he's a prophet that should come. And, and, and he, the blind man asked him if, if, if they were his disciples. Well, they didn't like that. And that was probably not the, the, the most appropriate thing to say at the moment. And so they kicked him out of the synagogue and he found Jesus. And Jesus, Jesus showed him that he was not just a healer of sight and blind eyes, but he was the Messiah. And in Matthew 23, an interchange is about to take place between the Lord Jesus and the Pharisees where Jesus gives blow by blow and point by point what a phony baloney Christian is. Now, this is in the Bible for our admonition. And this is in the Bible because there's a potential in each one of us to become a phony baloney Christian. To leave not a good taste in people's mouth about Jesus and our God, but a bad taste in people's mouth about Jesus and about the Bible and about Christianity and everything that is good and right and decent. And if this is in the Bible for our admonition, then we should look in the mirror. Now I want to challenge you to look in the mirror like this. I'm not sure that some Christians know how to look in the mirror. Number one, because I see things awry in their lives. But number two, they're holding the mirror in church like this. Hoping that their wife gets it. Hoping that their husband gets it. Hoping that their kids get it. You can look in the mirror like that if you want to, but it won't help you. So let's look into the mirror of God's word and see what God says about phony baloney Christianity. Look at Matthew chapter 23 and verse 1. Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after them after their works. For they say, 
and do not. Now, Jesus was a master teacher. Sometimes Jesus knew how to put a, a, a perfect illustration and story in a perfect setting. Often Jesus would use the tool of teaching called a question to cinch the deal or to prove a point or to cause people's conscience to be exercised. Sometimes Jesus wouldn't say anything and he would use silence as in the case of John 8 when he kneeled down in the dirt and he wrote in the sand. Sometimes Jesus would use hyperbole and he would make a point by an exaggeration. But Jesus here in this passage is showing the perfect example of a teacher by getting folks' attention by talking about them in front of them. Now, if I were to talk about Brother Childs to Pastor in front of Brother Childs, do you know who'd be listening? Brother Childs. <laughs> And everybody else. That's what Jesus is doing. So while he is speaking to these people, the Pharisees and the scribes are right there. And Jesus says, all therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers." But all their works they do, for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries. These were, these were little boxes that they would put on their hands and on their foreheads and, and little places at the border of their garments where they would, they would, uh, put, they would put uh, scripture and they make broad their phylacteries so that people could see and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feasts and chief seats in the synagogues and greetings in the markets to be called of men rather Rabbi, Rabbi, but be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ, and all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. For he that is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted." I want you to notice several points about these phony baloney Christians. Number one, I want you to notice that a phony baloney Christian pursues the attention of men. Phony baloney Christians pursue the attention and the favor of men. That's their goal. That's their aim. That's their desire. Now, I want you to do it with me so that we can remember. I, I want, want my messages to be memorable, not so that you remember me or that you remember uh, my antics, but so that you can remember the word of God. So how can we do this? Let's put our hands to our eyes like we're looking through some telescopes or like this, either one. And they pursue the attention of men. Would you say it with me and do it? They pursue the attention of men. Good. Would you do it again? They pursue the attention of men. What is it that sets apart a phone? baloney Christian from the rest. They pursue the attention of men. What is it that is disgusting to God about a phony baloney Christian? They pursue the attention of men. What is it that is the snare in the life of a phony baloney Christian? They pursue the attention of men. 
The Bible says the fear of man bringeth a snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord, he shall be safe. The scripture here says that they did several things to pursue the attention of men. It says in verse number uh, six that they love the uppermost uh, seats or rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogues. It says in verse number uh, five that they, they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries. We're, we're listening to the scripture. We're binding it upon our hands and binding it about our neck and we're tying it around our, our forehead. We're making it the centermost part and we want everybody to see this. Why? Because they were pursuing the attention of men. The scripture says in verse number seven that they love the greeting in the markets and to be called of men, rabbi, rabbi. Oh, they like that. I mean, it would be our equivalent to doctor. Oh, doctor this and doctor that. And you know, doctor this and doctor that doesn't impress the Lord. And uh, uh, this rabbi bit didn't impress the Lord. In fact, Jesus went so far as to say in verse eight, be ye not called rabbi for one is your master, even Christ and all your brethren and call no man your father. I was preaching in 2010 in, in Italy. And while I was there, there was an 80 some year old lady named Santina and she had been in, in, in uh, the Catholic church for years. And, and as, I, as I noticed and watched her, she came Friday night and Saturday night and Sunday morning to the meeting. And it was just remarkable. Her, house, uh, her housemaid brought her and, and she came. And on Sunday afternoon, the missionary, pretty much everyone was gone, and she was waiting for a ride, and the missionary said, come here, I want you to meet Santina. So we sat down across from each other, and she began to talk, and we began to talk, and she said, uh, she said, looked right at me, and she said, I'm not changing my religion. She said, I've been this way ever since I was a little girl. She said, I just spent 1,200 euros to go buy some religious literature. I'm not changing my religion. And I said to her, I said, well, I said, ma'am, I'm not really here to discuss that. But I said, I would like to ask you a question. I said, who pays for your sin? She said, well, I, I guess I do. I said, okay. I said, how? She said, well, I pray to Mary and I pray to the saints and I pray the rosary and I, I give to charities and I go to confession. And she listed a bunch of things which showed she wasn't just a C&E Catholic, you know, like some of us C&E Baptists down here in the southeast. She wasn't just a Christmas and Easter Catholic. She was a real deal devout Catholic. And, uh, and so she, she listed all the things that she did, she did. And I said, well, I said, after you do all those things. Are you absolutely sure that if you died today or if you died five years from now, you'd go to heaven? She dropped her head like this and said, no. And boy, I'll tell you, I began to give her the gospel every which way I knew in some ways that I didn't know. And I, Brother Frank was given the translation. He was witnessing to her. And, and uh, she looked across the table at me and she said, pray for my son. He thinks I'm crazy because I'm trying to be so religious. And I went on giving her more illustrations and more scripture. And, and uh, then she stood up just to change position. She said, pray for me and pray for my son. He thinks I'm crazy. And, you know, a preacher can only handle so much. Will you just write that down in the back of your Bible? A preacher can only handle so much and he's going to break. And, uh, and I broke. And I looked right across the table at her and I stood now just to show respect. And I, I looked at her and I said, you want me to pray for your son and you want me to pray for him and you're not telling him he's got to do this and do that and do the other thing. And at the end of all of that, he's not even going to know for sure that he's going to heaven when he dies. And she said, oh, mama mia. <laughs> she knew our hatter. Well, Santina got saved that day. 
And I mean, she gloriously got saved. She started reading her Bible. The Bible became alive to her, just like it does to anybody that gets saved, no matter who or what their background is. And she came across that verse where it says, call no man her father. And she took it over there to her priest. She said, what, 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 what does this mean? She eventually took up all her Madonnas and all, which another word for that is idols. And she took all her saints and she put them in a sack and she gave them the, she gave them the priest. I'm done with that. Now listen to me, that verse has meaning for a Catholic, but it also has meaning for a Baptist because we Baptists can worship the preacher. We Baptists can put somebody high on a pedestal. And if we don't want to worship a preacher, we can put somebody else up on the pedestal. We like pedestals and we like a little bit of, of art decoration. At first it seems innocuous and it's just a little bit of art decoration, but then after a while it becomes titles and it becomes this and it becomes that. And God says, don't do it. Don't call a man a rabbi. Don't call a man your father. And don't call a man, uh, don't call a man your master. He says, one is your master. His name is Christ. If you want to be great, you be a servant. That's what Jesus said. But you see a phony baloney Christian, they pursue the attention of men. They want to be seen of men. They want to be seen when they dump their offering in the offering plate. They want to be seen. Jesus said, don't let your right hand know what your left hand does. They want to be seen when they pray. And Jesus said, go into your closet and don't be seen when you pray. Let your religion be something that's real and real in secret. And if it's real in secret, it'll show in the proper place in public. He said, but don't be seeking to be seen of men. There could be a Christian right here at Canaan Baptist Church church this morning that in some form or another is trying to be seen of men. And you know, it's an exhausting way to live to pursue the attention of men. And really, if you're pursuing the attention of men and looking this way, you might find it. And you might find a little pocket of people that will give you praise and accolades and a pat on the back. And they may be in church and they may be outside of church, but it's meaningless and vain when it comes to the one who will be seated on the throne of judgment someday before you, before whom you will stand. You see, the Bible says we're to fear the Lord and trust the Lord. But someone who is a phony baloney Christian headed down that road or worse is completely one is someone that pursues the attention of men. Look at what the Bible says. In verse number 13, he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. By the way, there's... Phony baloney, there's phony baloney, not just in the Christian realm, there's phony baloney in the, in the religious realm, in the political realm. In our world today, there's a lot of phony baloney Pharisees, and you should be keyed into what is true and what is false, because what is phony baloney is not pleasing to the Lord. What is false is not pleasing to the Lord. And sometimes those who are false will pretend to be Christians so that they can get your ear and they may even throw a few verses around from the Bible to get your ear and to impress them that they're Christians when they're not. Watch what he says. They prevent access to heaven. Now, after Jesus has talked about the Pharisees and scribes in, in sufficient enough way and for a sufficient enough time to get their attention, then he turns and speaks directly to them in verse 13. And he says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, ye hypocrites, for ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, for ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in. All right, number one, a phony baloney Christian pursues the attention of men. Number two, they prevent access to heaven. They prevent access to heaven. He said, you're not going in yourselves and you're keeping everyone you can from going in. They prevent access to heaven. Would you say it with me? They prevent access to heaven. Would you say it and do it? They prevent access to heaven. 
What is a phony baloney Christian? In the religious realm, in the political realm, in the worldly realm, in the Hollywood realm, in the anywhere realm. What do they do? They prevent access to heaven. Instead of a, a broad way with people going straight to hell and a few real Christians and genuine Christians standing going in the opposite way, saying, trying to get everybody they can to go the opposite way and to go the way of the cross and the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, these folks are preventing access to heaven. They're standing trying to keep you from going to heaven. And how do they do that? By just putting their hands out? No, by making up a list of rules that are not Bible rules. By making up a list of regulations that are not Bible regulations. By making up a list of commandments that are not Bible commandments. And they are trying to prevent access to heaven by getting you distracted, focusing on all those things to the exclusion of the Bible way of salvation. The Bible way of salvation is whosoever will, let him come. The Bible way of salvation is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. The Bible way of salvation is that it's open to all and that God welcomes everyone to come through the way of the cross and the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Bible way of salvation. The, 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 the phony baloney Christian, they don't want people going to heaven. They do everything they can to get people distracted by following some other pattern and some other path. They shut up access to heaven. Again, verse 13, it says, ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for ye either ne neither ye go in yourselves neither suffer ye them that are entering to go in how do they prevent access to heaven by creating a, a system that's different than God's system how do they prevent access to heaven by mixing man's system with God's system it's not works that save you it is God's grace that saves you I asked a dear Mormon young lady one time uh, which is it faith or works that save me and she said both all right, what's that? That's mixing God's system and man's system. It's not both. It's one or the other. If it's works, it's not faith. If it's faith, it's not works. And here you mix man's system. How do they prevent access to heaven? Listen carefully. By living a false life. They themselves are not going, but they're pretending like they're going because they're following their system or their mixed system with the Bible or they're, or they're living a false life. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever known someone who is false and phony and fake? Let me see your hand. All right, let me ask you this question. How many of you have said yourself or you know somebody who has said, I would be saved if it weren't for the Christians or for the hypocrites in church? How many of you have ever heard somebody say that? Maybe you yourself have said that. Well, no. I know how we react and we say, well, there's good people in church and we're all, we're all struggling at some point or another. But, you know, at some point we need to stop and say, yeah, the hypocrites aren't helping us any. And hypocrisy isn't helping us any. And if there's any false way in us, we need to plead for the blood of Jesus to cleanse that false way. And we need to be against anything that is false or duplicitous or insincere. We're to be serving the Lord in sincerity and in truth. And I don't want to be one who, by my Christianity, keeps somebody from going to heaven. I heard a friend of mine say recently about someone that he knows. He said, if, if I were lost and they were the only Christian I know, I wouldn't get saved. I don't want anybody to say that about me. About my ethics and about my integrity and about my attitude and about my words and about my work ethic. I don't want anybody to say that about me about my grace and about my, uh, uh, about my perspective. I don't want anybody to say that about me. I better look in the mirror to make sure there is no false way. What is it that is a mark of a phony baloney Christian and a hypocrite? They pursue the attention of men. They prevent access to heaven. Look at verse 14. He says, woe unto you. 
Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. All right, what do they do? They pray upon the weak. They pray upon the weak. Would you say it? They pray upon the weak. Would you say it and do it? They pray upon the weak. Watch. They pursue the attention of men. They prevent access to heaven. They pray upon the weak. They devour widows' houses. Which, what would this be? This would be some phony baloney preacher on TV that's glad to take the widow's might and the widow's money and promise her the world in some false prosperity gospel, but, 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 and he himself is raising money for a $60 million jet. Uh, that, that would be something like that. It would be someone who preys upon the weak. That would be a predator in church or out of church. That would be some sexual pervert that preys upon the weak. Oh, what would this? They devour widows' houses. They, they are glad to take money for their coffers and make someone suffer without honoring the Lord Jesus Christ. They prey upon the weak mindset of children. They prey upon the weak mindset of what the Bible calls silly women uh, that, that are led captive and that they themselves are captors. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 23 that they, they lead and devour widows' houses. Houses and they make for a pretense long prayer. Watch, they pray upon the weak. And you know, that's a mark of somebody that's a phony baloney Christian. Somebody, watch me now, somebody that uses people for their own agenda. They use people for their own advantage. This could be a preacher. It could be a Sunday school teacher. It could be a deacon. It could be a regular Joe Blow Christian in a church. Somebody that uses people for their own advantage. Somebody that is a manipulator with their words or with their actions. They prey upon the weak. They're not genuine in their charity. They're doing whatever they do so that they can get the upper hand and get the advantage. Wow. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 14. It says they, for a pretense, make long prayer. Therefore, you shall receive the greater condemnation. All right, watch. What do they do? They pretend what they are not. They pretend what they are not. In other words, they're looking through a mask. Boy, masks have taken on a whole new meaning lately the last couple of years. I'm not talking about the COVID-19 masks. I'm talking about the kind of masks that were often used when, it, used when it came to old playwrights and theater like Shakespeare. It, masks are a, a big thing. You can buy ceramic masks all over Italy and they're, they're kind of a keepsake and you hang them up on a wall and it has the idea of a theater. You're acting. They pretend what they are not. For a pretense, they make long prayers. Now here's a general rule. Short public prayers, long private prayers. When you get together with prayer meetings, you shouldn't be praying a long time to, to impress everybody else around you. And you shouldn't be praying a long time to make up for all the times in private you haven't prayed. <laughs> no, when you get together and pray publicly, it should be short public prayers and you, you privately should be praying long private prayers. Why? Because that's real deal Christianity. And when someone starts to pray a long time, I get nervous. When they pray two minutes, I'm praying with them. When they pray four minutes, I'm praying uh, for them. When they pray six minutes, I'm praying against them. All right, you understand? Uh, I just want you to see that, that uh, long, long public prayers are, are a mark of a hypocrite, a mark of a Pharisee. And why did these Pharisees do it? To pretend what they were not. To make it look like something that they were not. 
Why do they have to do this? Because they're covering up their own corruption, that they have led captive silly women, that they have made a, uh, they've made a mockery of what is genuine and sincere. What do they do? They pretend what they're not. Now, pretend's cute when you're a little kid, isn't it? My little girl, she's five, and she still plays pretend, and, she's, and I, hope she, she just, I hope she just stays that way for a little while. I like that. When you're a little girl, you just, when you're a little boy, you just play and pretend. You're a boy, you're a swashbuckler and a pirate, or you're a good guy beating the bad guys. I want all that. You got swords and, and you're fighting and you're solving problems. And when you're a little girl, you've, you've got a different name. You're not this today, you're that. And you're not that today, you're this. And, and, and sometimes she acts like a little kitty and she wants us to scratch her ears and pet her. And sometimes she, she acts like she's a princess and she's twirling around. I, I like all that. And you know, pretend is good when you're a little kid but it's not good when you're a Christian God's not looking for for actors he look he's looking for people that are the real deal one of the biggest problems that I have with Hollywood is it's fake they are always pretending something that they're not and you mark that when you start to get your values from them watch now they pretend what they are not so can you put the mask up and say it they pretend what they are not. Would you do it again? They pretend what they're not. What do they do? They pursue the attention of men. What do they do? They prevent access to heaven. What do they do? They pray on the weak. What do they do? They pretend what they are not. Look at verse number 15. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye come past sea and land to make one proselyte, and when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. All right, watch. What do they do? How do I know what a hypocrite is and what a phony? I knew that my watch wasn't real gold because it was leaving a green band on my wrist. How do I know what a phony baloney Christian is? All right, number five, they pile it straight to hell. Do they have a system? Yes. Do they have a ship? Sure. Do they have a plane? Uh-huh. Do they have, do they have uh, some rules to follow? Sure. Do they have a culture that they're trying to create? Of course. But you get on board and you'll find when they're in the pilot seat, they are heading this ship straight to hell. He says they will compass land and sea to make someone like them, to make a proselyte. And when they do, they make them twofold more a child of hell than they themselves. Jesus had had enough. Jesus was done with their disbelief. Jesus was done with their anger. Jesus was done with their arrogance. Jesus was done with their arguments. Jesus was done with the fact that they rejected him one chapter earlier when he claimed to be the great I am and they rejected him by picking up stones and he was done with it and he said, I'm going to throw down the gauntlet and I'm going to show everybody here and I'm going to show these Pharisees who they really are. What are they? they they're men and women who pilot people straight to hell. Do they have an agenda? Yes. And what is that agenda? To get you to be just like them doesn't matter if in the end you'll be ash doesn't matter if in the end you'll be burning and screaming and writhing right alongside them doesn't matter if you don't make it to heaven that's their goal Whoa. What, 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 what is a phony baloney Christian someone who pilots straight to hell would you do it they pilot straight to hell would you do it and say it they pilot straight to hell look at it he says you make them twofold more a child of hell than yourselves verse 46 Woe unto you, ye blind guides, oh. which say, whosoever shall swear by the temple is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold of the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. 
But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whosoever therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it, and by all things thereon. Whosoever shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it, and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God, and by him that sitteth upon the throne, or sitteth, up, sitteth thereon. Watch what he's saying. He's saying, number six, they pinpoint the minor. How do you know a phony baloney Christian? Because they pinpoint the minor. They focus on the minor things to the exclusion of the major things. They can't see the forest for the trees. They are confused and they confuse others by focusing on the minor. They get all uptight, all angry, all bent out of shape, griping and murmuring and complaining and gossiping about the minor things and they forget about the major things. You say, preacher, what do you mean? They focus on the minor and they forget about the major thing of salvation. They focus on the outside and they forget the major thing of the inside. They focus on some little detail about, about Jesus healing on the Sabbath and they forget the major that Jesus healed the lame man and healed the blind man. What do they do? They focus on the minor to the exclusion of what is major. They focus on what is temporal to the exclusion on what, of what is eternal. They focus on the, the here and now to the exclusion of the hereafter. Do you see it? They focus on the minor to the exclusion of the major. That's what, a, that's what a phony baloney Christian is. You can tell you're slipping into phony baloney Christianity when you can't see the forest for the trees. When you're so focused on a few bad things that you can't see the good goodness of God. When you're so focused on, uh, on what you don't have that you forget what you do have in Jesus Christ and you do have in the Word of God. When you're so focused on a, a, a mishap or a misunderstanding in church that you can't see the great move of God right now in gathering men together at 8 o'clock in the morning and praying and gathering together God's people to worship here at Canaan Baptist Church. And what does a phony baloney Christian do? What is someone who is being infected by phony baloney Christianity they focus on the minor to the exclusion of the rest I might be speaking to a man here right now who is so focused on the minor in your household the things that aren't and the things that are upsetting that you can't see the goodness of God and the fact that he's given you a wife and he's given you children and he's given you blessing after blessing after blessing I might be looking at a lady right now so focused on the things that aren't working out your way that you're completely missing the way God is working in a mighty way I want you to see they focus on the minor to the exclusion of the major. Do you know they said, swear not by the temple. Uh, swear not by the gold that's in the temple. Then you're deader. And they focused on the minor to the exclusion of the major. You know what Jesus said? Swear not at all. And Jesus said, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. Swear not at all. Watch now. They focus on the minor to the exclusion of the major. Look at verse 23. Excuse me, verse 23, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, watch this, ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. There's the focus on the minor, the outside, and have omitted the weightier things or weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. They would tithe from their spice rack. Ladies, y'all better step up your game. Is there any lady here that's brought a little tithe of your mint and anise and cumin and dropped it in the offering plate lately? You better step up your game. You preach preacher, why? Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed that of the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. Well, they tithe of their mint and anise and cumin. Whoa, they fast two times a week. Men, I can tell that some of you need a little fast 
or two? How many of you, how many of you would say, Brother, Brother Smith, I, I don't fast twice a week. Well, you better step up your game. Jesus said, except your righteousness shall exceed that of the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You shall in no case enter. What did Jesus say? You tithe of the mint and the anise and the cumin, but you forget judgment, mercy, and grace. The weightier things of the law, verse 24. Ye blind guides, which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Verse 25, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they're full of extortion and excess. Watch, what do, blind, what do blind Pharisees do? They pinpoint the minor to the exclusion of the major. Would you say it with me? They pinpoint the minor to the exclusion of the major. Would you say it and do it? They pinpoint the minor to the exclusion of the major. All right, watch now. Watch. He's stepping it up. Every word and every verse, he's getting more intense. Number six or seven, they paint the outside and forget the inside. Would you say that with me? They paint the outside and forget the inside. Would you say it and do it? They paint the outside and forget the inside. Now, when I wash my truck, it needs to be washed right now. Been raining all week. I was going to wash it, but I figured it'd be just nothing more than a rain dance. But uh, when I wash my truck, I like to wash the outside. My wife likes to start from the inside out. I like to start from the outside in. Now watch here. They're good at painting the outside, but they forget what really matters. I probably need to take my wife's philosophy and start from the inside out because I have kids. And anybody that has kids in a car... And a car seat knows the veritable science experiment that car seat can become. If there's any bad odors, start with the car seat. Am I right? Cursed car seats. I think they're the mark of the beast. Anyway, uh, you got the car seat. Boy, it's just a, it's just a, a, a foul, it's a foul den of ca cage of filthy birds, a car seat. Watch now. That's what the Pharisees were forgetting. The inside. Oh, the outside was sparkling. Oh, shiny hubcaps. Nice sidewalls. Boy, fancy chrome exhaust pipe. But inside it stank. You see what Jesus said? Verse number 26, you paint the outside of the cup and platter, but you forget the inside. Verse 27, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchres. That's actually a painted sepulcher, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you're full of hypocrisy and iniquity. Wow. Now we're getting down to the bare bones, aren't we? Any one of us can look good on the outside. Make it look like we're not dying. You know, all of us are dying. We want it to appear, though, that we're not dying. We want it to at least smell like we're not dying. Uh, we, we're good at making the outside look good, but inside is what God's looking at. I want to ask, how's it going on the inside? Is your heart right with the Lord? Bitterness confessed? How's it going on the inside? Hypocrisy? I'm talking about where no man can see. I'm talking, I'm talking about where the search engine doesn't even go. How is it with your thoughts? How is it with your focus on the Lord? 
Is it genuine, sincere, without guile, without hypocrisy? You see, that hits every one of us. And I didn't come to do anything but hit every one of us. In case you're wondering, I'm preaching with a mirror right here on the pulpit. So I can hit me. You see, they're focused on the outside to the exclusion of the inside. And they paint the outside so it looks real good. But inside's full of dead men's bones. I want to tell you, if what's inside's not right with God, you can hang it up. Doesn't matter what anybody else sees. It's it's a good marriage that's made from the inside out. A good home is made from the inside out. A good church is made from the inside out. I mean, made where things flourish and where God is glorified and where Jesus is pleased. From the inside out, quit pointing your finger at the other political party and just look in the mirror for a little while. That would solve our country's problems. And look at what the Bible says here in Matthew 23. He says in verse 29, our final and most important point, it says, woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, because you build the tombs of the prophets. He's basically saying, since we're talking about tombs, let me talk about tombs. You build the tombs of the prophets and garnish the sepulchers of the righteous and say, if we had been in the days of our fathers, we would not have been partakers with them in the blood of the prophets. Wherefore ye be witnesses unto yourselves that ye are the children of them which killed the prophets. Fill ye up then the measure of your fathers. Ye serpents and ye generation of vipers, how can ye escape the damnation of hell? Watch it. The most powerful point of all is when Jesus makes the point that a Pharisee, a hypocrite, a phony baloney Christian, watch me now, plots to kill the king. Plots to kill the king. What does a phony baloney Christian do? They pursue the attention of men. They prevent access to heaven. They prey on the weak. They, they, uh, they, they pretend what they are not. They pile it straight to hell. They pinpoint the minor to the exclusion of the major. They paint the outside and forget about the inside and hear it. Their ultimate goal is to plot to kill the king. Uh, That would be called treason or a coup. We've seen some of that in recent years. That would be called treason, plotting to kill the king. They hate Jesus. They hate his words. They hate his miracles. They hate his, the fact that he's, the people love him more than they love them. They fact, they hate his popularity. They hate, they, they hate everything about Jesus. They hate the fact, his claims. They hate his words. And eventually they're going to kill him. And Jesus said, since we're talking about cemeteries, you garnish the tomb of the prophets and you say, if we'd have been alive, we'd have never done that. Which connects you directly to those that murdered the prophets. And I would like some theologian to come tell me what verse number 32 means. Fill ye then up the measure of your fathers. You know what I believe Jesus is saying? If you're going to pull the trigger, go ahead. Go ahead and kill me because that's what's in your heart. 
Go ahead and kill me because that's what you're trying to hide with your painted sepulchers. Go ahead and kill me because that's what you're trying to distract from as you pinpoint the minor. The minor. Go ahead and kill me because that's what you're doing when you're piling people straight to hell. And that's what you're doing when you're pretending something you are not. And that's what you're doing when you're praying on the weekend. That's what you're doing when you're preventing access to heaven. And that's what you're doing when you're pursuing the attention of men. Go ahead and kill me. And just a few chapters later, they would. A Pharisee, someone that is not connected to the truth, not built upon the truth, not loving the truth, not caring about the truth, he is glad to eliminate the one who claims to be king of kings. You know why? It's a threat to their own kingdom. There could be a person in this room right now who's a phony baloney Christian. You say, preacher, what do you mean? Well, there's a couple kinds. Those that are not saved and say they are. They've never been born again and they know it. I'm not putting doubt where people are genuinely saved. I'm talking about somebody that's not even saved in the first place like Judas and you know it. You've never submitted to the Christ of the cross. You've never called upon him as your savior. You've never accepted him by faith. You've never believed on Jesus as your only way. You've got your own religious trappings that make you look good and yet you're lost and headed straight to hell. And yes, I know I'm preaching in a Bible-believing Baptist church. I'm talking about a Judas, one of 12 that followed Jesus. That's a phony baloney Christian. These were the ones Jesus said, why call you me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I say? And Jesus said, many shall come to me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and thy name done many wonderful works? Then I thy name cast out demons. Then he'll, say, I'll, then he'll say to them on the left hand, depart from me. I never knew you. The other kind of phony baloney Christian is someone that's genuinely saved, but they have allowed false ways, false ideas, false concepts, false patterns in their life. And worse yet, they're good with it. They've come to think that's normal. Not David. You know what David said? David said, Therefore, I love thy law and I hate every false way. You know, what's the difference between this church and the church down the road? You say, well, we believe the Bible. Well, good. Well, we preach the gospel. Well, I hope so. Well, we try to order our life by the Bible. Well, you better. But there's, you know what the difference between the church down the road that doesn't? Somewhere along the way, false ideas false concepts about God and his word and us, they began to develop and the Bible was closed and set aside and put away. And so what false, what is false, replaces what is true. You know how a church gets there? One lie at a time. That's why I say look in the mirror. If there is a false way, a false idea that you're adopting, accepting, Christian, you better get down on your face and say, God, forgive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts. Cleanse me. I don't want to be part and parcel of leading a church down a false way, away from a place of life and truth and deliverance. Lord, Forgive me for being part and parcel of that. And you know, I'll tell you, a Christian that does that, they'll have revival. Amen. All of a sudden, things will get better at home. 
things will get better in their marriage. All of a sudden, things will get better in their church and their culture. When God's people begin to hate every false way. And I'll tell you, I don't want to leave a mark of green on anybody's life. I want people to know that Dwight Smith is the real deal. And Dwight Smith, with his imperfections and flaws, at least is trying to make things right and keep things right. And more than anything, I don't want to lead anybody away from Christ because I have become a phony baloney Christian. Would you bow with me in prayer?